Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, it's Friday, and we are here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast talking Detroit Lions. We thank you for joining the show. We thank you for hitting subscribe. We love it when you guys are tweeting at us. You can find me at Derek Oakry on Twitter and uh, have a bunch of fun, and uh, we have fun because of this next guy that I want to introduce, and his name is, he goes by one name. I mean, he's, he's that famous. He's that uh, of a just incredible individual, and his name is Grifka, Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Oh man, this uh, weather is finally nice. Oh my, I think Will Smith's summertime's been running through my head all week. Um, it's been raining just one day this week. Gosh, this weekend is supposed to be back into like the low to mid seventies. So mild, so nice to go outside. Um, gosh, I'm so looking forward to this weekend. So uh, once again, everybody, once again, nice weekend. Go out. You know, go take your dog for a walk, you know, go to the park, you know, you know, play a little catch with somebody. I, I don't know. You know, just remember six feet and stuff like that. So, uh, but, you know, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. Griffka, me and you could actually play football catch because, you know, you you can throw it about six feet. I mean, after that, it gets a little dicey. Yeah, I think it's a, somebody shoots it halfway through, man. I hear somebody <laughs> say pull like it's a clay pigeon and poof, you know, shoots oh. it right then and there. Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. Um, Grifka, you want to know something I'm doing before we get into football talk? So it's been like 80, 90 degrees, the old Casa de Oakry here. Like I've been going no AC because I've been eating good. I've been just slimming down and like, it's about a million degrees right now while we're doing the podcast. But I just told myself, I'm like, I'm just going to go no AC, couple windows open and make this work. And like you say, it's like 90 now and it's going to be like 60 and sunny here in a couple days. So that's Michigan for you. But I think that, uh, like you say, it's been crazy. It's a, it's a little hot. I got a few fans going and whatnot, but uh, I'm just, I'm just toughing it out rather than being the wimp that puts on the AC and closes all his windows. Not, not doing it. I put the AC on. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not the people aren't surprised Grifka, but uh, let's get into this on a Friday. What the heck are we talking about? Lions. I'm sure you got something that's going to, that's going to tee me off something that I'm going to have to yell at you about something that's going to get me all fired up. That's disrespectful to our team. What the heck do you got this week? Cause I'm ready for anything. Um, I just have a few questions for you. Uh, The first one, here we go. uh, I've heard you break down the 53 man roster who you're looking, you know, who can make it where, what positions. Um, it was uh, announced earlier this week, much earlier this week, that the Lions have been um, looking at uh, Agnew, moving him to wide receiver as opposed to oh, using him at defensive back. And I believe on one of your roster spots, he was actually, uh, you know, he did not make the make the team as a defensive back or special teams guy for the rookies they brought in. Does this possession, this position change help him make the roster? <laughs> Griffith, I can't believe you started with this right now. I This is like if we would have talked before the show, which we barely do, we basically just hit record and we talk football. Like I would have said, please don't ask me about Jamal Agnew because I'm about to blow my gasket. So Griffith, is, is this a real question right now? Really? Oh, yeah, because I know you're going to blow your gasket because you just said it's about 100 degrees in your apartment. So this <laughs> yeah. question's only got to help, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm. <laughs> the temperature is no issue for the heat you're about to get right now. So first of all, you bring up this garbage. <laughs> this is first of all from Peter King's smug candy ass, which like, you know how I hate that jabroni, him and his Starbucks, him and his pompous popped collars, this freaking clown. One of the the worst people I hate in the reporting is this guy and the DB. So if, of course you'd be reading this guy or what he says is gold. 
okay, so this guy sits in on a receiver meeting and he wants to come back and, you know, break the news or just report that, oh, Jamal Agnew was in on the meeting. Like it's some amazing thing that he's letting the people in on and people are jumping all over it. Oh, you know, Jamal Agnew, this might be what he should have been doing. Oh, this is a new rebirth for him. This is nothing for Jamal Agnew, okay? Like, this kid had some buzz coming out in the draft. I know Daniel Jeremiah sort of liked him as an under-the-radar guy. The Lions take him. He's fast. I thought he might have some juice. He came in. What was he, like a Pro Bowler his first year? He had a couple kick returns. Wow, congratulations. What has he done the last couple years, Griff, to warrant this guy being in the receiver room? All those dropped kicks that he's had? Oh, yeah. His hands just look like solid steel to me. Either that or they're just dipped in Crisco. Like, I don't want this anybody, this guy anywhere around anything that's dubbed a wide receiver. The only thing he's ever done good in his life in regards to offense is a couple, a couple sweeps. I mean, what has he ran? Like three sweeps his whole career. He's been in the league four or five years now. Like this guy is off the roster to me. Uh, Okay. You're, you're one trick pony. You can somewhat return a kick every blue moon. Like unless it's, four or five times every blue moon. Like I got no time for you. So this guy can go away. I don't want him anywhere near our offense because you know, the first thing that's going to happen is the ball is going to be on the carpet, you know, especially in a crucial moment. Like I still hold it against him. That, that drop kick that he had against Arizona. We're beating the daylight. I mean, Grifka, we're punching the Arizona Cardinals in the face and taking their candy. And this clown drops the ball in like the, inside the 10 at the end of the half and cost us points. And then, and then we fall apart in the second half that John that's on Jamal Agnew. He's, he seems like a great guy, but his time's run out here in Detroit. I'm done with this guy. He doesn't bring enough to the table to justify a roster spot. He obviously can't play defense. And if you're not going to gadget player him, this guy's not playing receiver for my team. There's no way. I mean, he just, he can't get it done. He's not going to just all of a sudden be some interesting, impactful wide receiver. Like, Get out of here with this, Grifko. This is this is this is garbage. I've had to hear about this for a day or two now, and like, this is the kind of crap that sets me off. Cause like, he's never caught a pass probably in the league more than like two yards. He didn't play it in college. He he has no reps, and, and like I say, he he he's got Ebron esque hands. Like <laughs> he can't catch kicks. So how's he gonna catch a sixty yard ball over the middle from number nine? Like I, there's no way. Like. What else you got? I mean, this this is ridiculous. Yeah, just to piggyback your comment there, you you can only <laughs> run the end around so many times in a game. So yeah, he's not worth a spot. Um, next question. Uh, I know uh, we've talked about this, and we talk about all the former players just kind of like going out, and they seem to be bashing Matt Patricia. Well, Mike Daniels came out, and he was very supportive. You know, had a lot of comments to say about um, you know how he liked the locker room, liked the attitude, like you know Patricia as a coach. And um, he has some videos out there of him, you know, doing his work out of, you know, trying to stay in shape because once again, Mike Daniels, you know, isn't signed with the team yet. Um, you think he's doing this, you know, just kind of maybe hoping, looking for a spot back on the team because he sounds like he's always wanted to come back. You think him putting this out there, just really talking up the locker room and the coach is just kind of saying, hey, you know, I'm here. Remember me? Or do you think it's one of those things where truly deep down he really believes this? Grifka, I'm going to calmly answer this question on like the last horrible question by you. And uh, this one intrigues me because I'm not sure. Like I, I uh, hearken back to when you brought up Mike Daniels on this podcast after he was cut and asked if he would be a Detroit Lion. I gave all the reasons why he wouldn't. When they signed him, I got all fired up because I was like, this is the, the kind of physical beast and locker room and hard-nosed guy that we needed. He came in. He did nothing. He played like three, four games. Mike Daniels, please don't, please don't beat me up like uh, Taylor Decker when he sees Grifka at training camp. I like you as a person. You are an absolute physical monster. But but you did nothing for this team. You 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 made no plays. You were never even playing. And when you did play, unfortunately, you looked. Fat. Or says he's fat. In your jersey, real fat. Fat. Um, yeah, I, he's got all this workout equipment that he showed on uh, Good Morning Football. Like, 
I, I think we need to see what's in the fridge instead because I mean the guy's the guy's working out, but I think he's also grubbing out because this guy looked sloppy fat in his jersey. Now again, he could eviscerate me in two seconds. I get it. But um I was very disappointed in his overall physique, how he looked in the jersey, how he played, his health, his injuries. All of that, but the other part that intrigues me is the Lions have like very thin defensive tackle rotation. Basically, right now it's um, it's Danny Shelton who's new, it's Nick Williams who's new, it's Penasini who's drafted in the sixth round, I believe, um, and that's about it. So <laughs> a couple scrub guys that are always at the bottom of our roster, like your boy Andre Fluellen, that uh, just are always there no. but are are never there. <laughs> I'm never there. Grifka, can we give Flu a call and see if he can still get us a few snaps? Because we need some bodies down there. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he's still on the speed dial. Oh, there's no doubt. He, he'd be at the Allen Park headquarters in two seconds, despite the pandemic. But uh, he'd be ready to go. Um, so so that's why I'm intrigued by Mike Daniels is we need people there. He, he's been a good player in the league. He's got Pro Bowls under his belt. He's 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 been dominant in interior play, type player. But yeah, I mean, I'm not oblivious to the fact that, yeah, this could be just a, a classic politician who could just be out there. Hey, you know what? You know, it'd be a great thing if I went out and pubbed the Detroit Lions, told them how much great their culture was, how good their coach was, how much I loved everything about it. And then him knowing, too, that we don't have a ton of top players in that position. And gosh, what are we paying? Like eight, nine plus million dollars last year? Like, yeah. you want to come back for a few mil? I'll consider it, but don't think that you butter us up. I'm giving you anywhere near that because you better be on the uh, slim fast diet and better be um, playing, you know, 14 plus ball games. If you think I'm going to give you anywhere near like four or 5 million bucks to come back to this team. So I'm, I'm torn on this one. I could see it either way, but, uh, but yeah, Mike Daniels is intriguing and he scares me and he's fat and he was terrible last year. And I kind of wouldn't mind him on the team if he's telling the truth and if the Lions think he could help. There you go. Okay. Uh, just a quick follow-up to that uh, fat part of it. Or says he's fat. fat! It means he's fat. Fat! Do you think him and Snacks had a couple eating contests? <laughs> I, I don't know what those guys were doing. I mean, um, it's... <laughs> It's a it's dicey down there with those two big fellas and what they brought to the table in 2019. But that's another reason why I'm optimistic for 2020, because those guys just seem like not only did they not want it, but they were just out of shape, not ready to play football. And now we like, you know, who I'm high on Griff. I know this isn't part of your question, but you know who I'm high on again. This might just be my my post, um, you know, my offseason buzz. But John Penasini intrigues me. You go and look at him. He's productive at Utah. He looks like a, a, a nice interior football player. He's good graded from PFF, which we all know like you have no respect for because you think if you watch one game or a few plays of a guy, you've got him figured out in the good or sucks column. I think Penasini is definitely in the good column, and I think he can help this team. I think that was a nice piece later of a guy that's going to know his role and come in and make plays, so... I think the more players like that and even a guy like Shelton are going to be much more productive than kind of those older, to put it nicely, players we had last year. Okay. Um, one last question for you. This is a kind of outside-of-the-box thinking right here. I just want to see what your thought is on it. <laughs> um, earlier this week, the NHL you know, mentioned that they were going to start back up again, and they were going to use hub cities. They The hub cities were not decided yet, but they would be in those states where – I guess um, they're, you know, they're a little more, you know, was it um, a little more open, more things to do for people. They're, they're they don't have the, um, the quarantines like they do in some of the other states. Would you be interested, or how would you feel about this if this is something maybe the NFL did to, like, say, start training camps, maybe the first couple games of the season, where they would use hub cities in states that were a little less quarantined and, um, you know, maybe something with, you know, the artificial fields, because we all know grass fields can get torn up pretty, pretty good from a game, you know, maybe a couple of games, uh, you know, first couple of games before everything really got ro- rolling. If they have to use maybe like, you know, six, you know, hub cities to have games in, you know, how would you feel about that? Or is that something that you wouldn't even consider? 
Well, if I'm inconsiderate, I got to know if it's a real question first. Is, it, is this real right now? I got to talk about hub cities and, and, and this type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of interested to see if this was something the NFL threw out there. Now, this isn't any Lions 24-7 or any late-night calls. This is just something I was kind of pondering when I saw the NHL was going to do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Grifka pondering things, people. It's dangerous on so many levels. Um, long and short of it, Grifka, I mean, I, I want to see football regardless. So, like, if we really get in a pinch and this is the only way we can do it, I mean, I'd much rather do that than – not have football, delay football for multiple months, whatever it may be. I just think it's all pointing towards kind of coming around. Like people are going to have to be safe. We live in this weird world now where, you know, people want to do stuff, but they also are ridiculous when it comes to being out. You know, I've seen, you know, certain things where people are behind plexiglass and you've got people with all the the masks and gloves. I mean, you got to be safe. There's no doubt, but uh, I just think that we are all too fearful when really, I think I saw a stat the other, and I, I don't want to do this. This isn't my take necessarily of downplaying the COVID-19, but I think I saw something yesterday, like the, the ultimate, you know, issues was only in like the hundred thousands. Like to me, that's, that's not, we've been shut down for three, four months now. And, you know, I hate to see the people that have lost folks or have people, but I also think that the extremes just seem like, man, you know, I feel like the numbers would be way higher, be way worse than we're kind of seeing it just sort of trying to prevent it as best we can from spreading. But I don't know that it's been this like, Hey, every fifth person gets it and they pass away within a week or so, you know, type of issue. So I'm much more on the side of like, I have been staying in, man. I've been staying away from people. When I go out, I got my gloves and my mask on. I'm that guy. But I'm also a guy that thinks, hey, by June, July, August, like people are creeping back to doing regular things and they're noticing that, hey, as long as you do some of the basic parameters, like it's not going to become this, you know, outbreak that you see in these movies and stuff. So I I just think the hub city, all this stuff is good for people to think about. I think the sports that want to jump back now are going to be taking ultimate precautions. But my hope is by July, August, September, October that we're going to be have the parameters figured out. It's just going to be like, Hey, games are going to start on time. There's only going to be X amount of fans that can go. These are the things you have to do if you want to go and they're going to be on TV. And it's just going to be like a weird year in regards to attendance and all that. But there's not going to be, there's not going to be this sense of fear. I don't think in four months from now that there still kind of is now, or that there was three months ago. You know what I mean? I feel like it's going to settle itself down and you're just going to have to move forward with, not only with life, but just be, be smart about how you do it and, and then see the results. See like, Hey, you know, this sport came back and they were fine. You know, this sport came back and they only had like two minor issues. So that's my hope, I guess. And, and like I said, if you got to play a few games in other places, great, but like the NFL is no joke, Grifka, you can't just go play in random cities and not have home games. And then towards the back of the year, Oh, let's go back to normal. Now you guys just lost out on four home games. You guys lost out on six home games. Like that's just a big competitive disadvantage that you can't do. So I'm for safety first. I'm for football almost regardless, as long as we can make it safe. And I'm hoping that it's going to be as, as normal on the field as possible. And the stadiums are going to be the issue and the viewing experience will just be, have to be from home in 2020, but no hub cities. If I had my choice and no ultimate frantic, we're not going to have a season. We may not play till 2022. Like I'm getting away from all that because I've just sort of not only had enough. I think that we got to be smart and move forward. So we'll see what happens. Okay. I, I like your take on that. It's very, very insightful. So you so, uh, agree. Let's do this. Uh, let's do this. Let's take, so let's you, take a pause for the so, cause. So, hey, 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 hey. So you agree. <laughs> oh, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, once again, it's time to pay some bills. Take a pause for the cause. You know, uh, we appreciate everybody you know, listening you know, for our sponsors. So uh, we'll be right back. Detroit Kool-Aid, we're back from the break. Thank you for listening to our sponsors. Grifka, where, where could the people possibly find you on Twitter so they could send you a funny message or make fun of you or t- talk about your horrible takes and know that you will never get back to them probably personally? Well, once again, it depends on you know what the take is. I, I may get back to you. I 
mean, if it's horrible and you're making fun of me, I mean, of course, that is your opinion. You are entitled to your opinion. It doesn't mean I hate you. I'm good with that. <laughs> Reasonable minds can differ. But once again, you can find me at, at Griffith DKC. That's at G-R-I-F-K-A DKC. Grifka, or please feel free to call or text me at 989-272-3484. Oh, you just ruined it. I was going to set you up for that. But first, I want to ask a simple question. So when I give out my Twitter, I spell it because my last name, as easy as it is, people always seem to get it wrong. How else are people going to spell Grifka? Just curious. Um, I wish I would keep all the mail that spelled it wrong. Um, I have an S in the middle of it. I've had two Fs before. I haven't had an A before. The K has been a C before. That one cracked me up the most. I mean, K-A is just phonetically. I mean, it's just, you know, but, you know, I've had a C in it, you know, so I spell it that way simply because I used to work with a lady whose last name was Marshall. And she goes, why do you spell your last name? I go, because generally there's like one way to spell Marshall. Okay. Everybody knows how to spell that. I mean, what I want to know where the S was in Grifka. That makes no sense to me. There would be an S. Yeah, I've been I've been in college classes where the pro- professors called me Griska, <laughs> and there's no S in the middle of that. And that's happened with different professors, mind you. These are PhD professors. They obviously didn't. I mean, you know, they were good professors, but once I corrected them, they got it right. You know, and then but I've been called Griska, um, Griskus. <laughs> I've had like. K-U-S. I'm just like, where does that, you know, like there's multiple of me sitting there and it's just like, huh? But the, the multiple, you know, things of male are, are the best ones. Or like that, or sorry, for, sorry for this tangent, but like when the, you know, we've been trying to reach you about your auto insurance coverage. You know, when they call and they mispronounce my name, I'll be like, oh, sorry, that person doesn't live here because it's not a real person. But I've done that before. So. Oh my goodness. Grifka, like uh, you have settled it. I, I will let it, I will let you spell it from now on, but I have been curious the last few weeks. And uh, like I say, please uh, find us on Twitter at Derek Oakry, D E R E K O K R I E or at Grifka DKC. And like I say, um, Griffka, I'll give you a smidge of credit, but not much, because I've yelled at you before. You never like any of the tweets I put out. You never interact with the fans. You don't you don't publicize our podcast except for hitting the simple retweet button that any three year old could do on our show. But recently you've 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 done a few more. Now I can't say you put in much effort because you, you just basically don't across the board, but you every once in a while will give me a half positive like. You may actually interact with a fan or two. Yet last podcast when I interviewed you, a 30, 40 minute interview, if you guys want to go back and hear Grifka's memories of the Lions, thoughts on the Lions, asked him what his favorite part about doing the podcast was. And he went on and on and on about something about his interactions on Twitter, which are like non-existent. I mean, the guy, the guy very rarely every blue moon will get into something or, or somebody will take him to task or I'll yell at him. And then it's a 15 minute back and forth between me and him, like an extension of the show. But that was his big big win not like how much fun the show is not all the hard work we put in the how we've grown it how much we love talking lions how funny i am it was just like it was just something about your twitter people which like i i don't even see that i, I don't know what's going on maybe you're getting a thousand dms a day i don't know but this this makes me laugh very hard I'm not one of those people on Twitter that just like looks to battle all the time, so I choose my battles. So if I really want, you know, want to feel you, like getting in one, if my Irish yeah. is up, even though I'm not Irish. Um, but you always you know, act I, like, oh, it's 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 the hardest thing ever. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't put as much work in as you. What do you see me do? I retweet funny stuff. I retweet lions things. I I actually put out something every once in a while to the people saying, hey, uh, you know, what's Jelani Tavai's ceiling? I'm curious your thoughts. Hey, uh, you know, Grifka thinks. Jared Davis isn't that great. What do you think? Like, you know, it's not hard. This isn't brain surgery. This is six minutes of your day to interact and grow your grow your audience and have fun with the people. I mean, is it too much to ask, really? I mean, we know you have functions. We know that you're a superior being to all of us numbskulls, but it's really not that hard. You make it you make it like it's this time issue when really I think it's just a capital lazy boy scouting has no clue how to work social media. I don't know. I've kind of wasted hours of a Saturday on Twitter battles, and it's just like at some point, I'm just like, <laughs> that's on you. I got other things that, to do. That's man. your issue. But, 
That oh nobody forced gosh. to do that. That's you not knowing again what you're doing. You have to, if you would not have horrible takes or not in, engage the people in worthless arguments, you'd have a, a good following and good inner time like me. And you wouldn't complain that it takes you too long. Cause I barely take any of my time to do it yet. I still have a bunch of fun with the fans and uh, I always get good interactions. I mean, we're having a great time on the fan Detroit Kool-Aid cast fantasy league. I mean, great draft, really fun. I mean, lots of good people in there. I, I see that I'm up in the Twitter bracket. I'm a 12 seed this year, which, uh, you know, I've already advanced. So we'll see how that goes. That's fun. I mean, just, it's just fun stuff. You don't got to be wasting a sunny Saturday yelling at somebody for somebody telling you that, uh, you know, uh, Taylor Decker's a elite left tackle. That's on you. Well, I have to set them straight to know that Taylor Decker's not elite. I can't help it if they're too blind to see that. I mean, if he's not elite, what, if he's not elite, what the heck is he? He's average at best. (laughs) Or he's something else that you say on the show. Yeah, he's not that great. (laughs) All right, Griffco, what else you got? That was a sideburn from my, uh, of your, of your Twitter love slash uh, acting like that. I spend hours upon hours on it when I just barely use it, but I have a bunch of fun. So go ahead at Griffco DKC, everybody go give him a follow tweet at him and we'll see if he gets back to you. Um, this is what I got for you. Now, it's been well documented that, uh, like you said, I've been a Lions fan for a long time. And you came in, you started really like the Lions, what was it, Matt Millen's first year? I believe you said that when he uh, when he took over the team. So you've seen a lot of lean years. Yeah, am I, am I correct there. in that statement? Somewhere around there. So, so I have a couple of things here for you. What I want to do is I want you to use your memory you know, of the team and the players that have been on the team. Now, I'm going to give you a position. You know, and I want you to put like, you know, taking different parts of different players and like, I would put, you know, this with this guy, this and this, if you put add this, this would be my, this would be my ex player on the team. So the first one I want to start with, like, out of all the quarterbacks that have played for the Lions, you know, there's certain parts of, of certain players that you would put together, you know, a couple, two, three parts and like, okay, if I had this part, this part, this would be my perfect quarterback for this team. Yeah, I mean, again, quarterback's the most important position on the field. So in my time, kind of as a Lions fan, I mean, right when I started was kind of right a little bit after they kind of got Joey Joey Harrington, as I called him back then. Most people know him as Joey Blue Skies. Uh, I I felt like Harrington had you know, everything you look for, like in a college player, you know, he was that, that classic, you know, guy off the field, uh, clean cut, you know, seemed to have the ability to make the throws, had good college production. Um, I was a supporter of his early. Um, I know they, he got hurt and had some issues and they kept bringing people in. I kept telling people like, you know, Joey Harrington has more talent than these other guys. You know, he just hasn't put it together yet. Or he, you know, doesn't have these qualities. And, it came down to Joey just not having enough leadership and not having enough uh, players around him and, and enough support from the organization to be able to do it in Detroit. So, you know, if I was going to take something from Harrington, it'd be kind of like that, that clean cut off the field, good guy that you want, you know, uh, later in my, my, my fandom, as you would say at Grifka, we had a guy named John Kitna, which I don't talk about it a ton on the show or uh, on my Twitter, but I might start because it's really important to me. So over the last, uh, gosh, since I was younger, but definitely in the last, uh, you know, little bit of my life, like my face really important to me. And I think it's a really driving force of not only my life, but, you know, uh, a lot of our lives out there. And uh, I feel like John Kidd and I had an amazing faith, uh, ability to lead men just by, you know, the faith that he had in, in um, the Lord, as well as just some of the the leadership qualities that he had, which again, like I think we're a little bit lacking in Joseph Harrington. So, um, you know, I would, I would love that my leader. And then, you know, when it comes down to, to the moxie, the ability to throw the football, you know, you're looking at number nine there, Matt Stafford, he from day one, it could, could throw the ball, you know, 60 yards with a flick of his wrist. He, we've seen the moments back in 2011, 2012, even recently where he gets the guys going. He's got that swagger about him. You like to see that. So like if I could build my perfect quarterback, it'd be the, you know, the, the clean cut, nice guy, no worries, uh, do all the commercials and stuff off the field of, of Joey Harrington. I'd give the faith and the leadership and the ability just to kind of will his way to it. And John Kitna, and then obviously give me the talent, 
of a Matt Stafford when it comes to throwing the football as well as having a little swag, a little bit of leadership, and a little bit of uh, give me the ball in the fourth quarter, I'll go win it for you type of feel. I like that. I like that. I really do. And one thing about John Kitna, I mean, he was on some bad teams. That guy could take a punch. I mean, yeah. I remember so many games of him just getting the crap kicked out of him, and he was up under center. I mean, jeez. That guy could take a beating and he would still come back and be under center. So my other favorite I really thing, my other favorite thing about Kidna too was how he'd throw to spots. Like I just felt like uh, Martz had that offense where like he didn't have a cannon and he wasn't a great athlete, but he would just throw it to areas of the field and people would just run under it, or he'd be right on on point to the Mike Furries of the world and the uh, you know other receivers we had. And it was just like man, you know he he made those type of plays and Stafford does that as well, but there's something pretty to like a quarterback like him or, or the Kurt Warners of the world where they would just anticipate so much that the ball would be 10 yards out in front of a guy just right on the dime and catch and go. So yeah, man, we gotta, we gotta get this, uh, we gotta get the quarterback figured out or those would be three great, um, you know, traits from guys that uh, get us over the top. But I, I like the guy we still have under, under center here. I think he's got some of that clean cut as well as some of that leadership as well. And obviously the, the arm talent to make it happen. So come on nine, let's get some wins. Let's get back on the right track. Let's go. Okay. Well, let's do this. Let's talk about the guy trying to get to the quarterback. What, uh, you know, what type of defensive players, are, you know, defensive linemen, you can talk about either defensive tackle, defensive end, kind of make like a hybrid one. What uh, what traits would you take in there? Oh man, it's tough. I I this is before my time as a fan, but you know me, like as quiet of a guy as I am, I do like to have some fun and whoop it up when it comes to competing. You know, like beating you in washers every time we ever play, or on the basketball court, I used to like to talk a little smack to people and have a little bit of fun. So like a Porsche type where he was raising the roof on every down or kind of had that, uh, you know, most trash talker hype man type to him. I like that. Um, trying to think who else we really haven't had a ton of good pass rushers, you know, like I know a lot of people like Cliff Averill to me, he was a speed guy where he'd, he'd get sacks, he'd get production, but they were always like, you know, fourth quarter down 20 points. Hey, there's Cliff, Cliff Averill with two sacks, you know, in the quarter that didn't make any difference in the ball game. So I liked his athleticism and production at times, but not, you know, not overall type of football player. And then, you know, you got, you got the, the Ziggy Anzas of the world, Grifka, who have everything, you know, they're, they're six, four, they're 275 pounds. They're, they're ripped out of granite. You know, they, they look like they're just sculpted and they, uh, they should be dominant. They should be like a top five, 10 defensive end in the league. And they just aren't, unfortunately. I don't know, probably because they're never on the field, as you would often say. They're they're the Lamborghini that's stuck in the garage. Um, but I would love a player with that type of physicality. You know, when it comes to size, speed, and and ability. And gosh, I'm trying to think of a guy that was productive. I mean, you say edge rushers or defensive linemen? Maybe you like the attitude, the you know, the spunk of like somebody on the D line or something like that. You know, yeah, that you would add in there something like that yeah i mean the only other two i'd bring up are two guys that you know i was a big fan of of nick fairley i loved his college tape i love what he brought i felt like he was he was like the i always called him like i thought he was going to be like the bad boy version um a football version of a interior defensive lineman where like nobody else liked him but he was our beast in the middle that would that would tackle you and then stay on your face for an extra five seconds where he shouldn't have, or he he'd rough you up after a play and tell you about it. But like he, he was just athletic enough to make the plays that he didn't pan out. And then the other guy that I always beat up on the show because he outpriced himself and he left because he's a just greedy bastard is in Dominican Sue. Like he was a guy that, you know, I don't value the interior guys as much, but I did love his, his nasty at times as well as, some of his production, you know, when we had him on the team, he helped our defense. He made us a better team, but not paying a guy 20 million bucks. So if I had to put one together, you know, you'd have to give me a freaky bendy guy like, like Cliff. You'd have to give me a physical beast like Ziggy. And I need the nasty, um, like those interior fairly ensue. And then I need an outside guy, um, or I need a hype man. Like Porsche, who doesn't matter if it's, you know, fourth and, 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 
eight uh, in the first quarter, he he's going nuts, getting the hi- crowd hype like it's a Super Bowl. So that that that'd be my 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 lineman that I need. Okay, uh, Nick Fairley, fat and lazy. Um, <laughs> let's go. With, let's go back to the offensive side of the ball. We've seen a number of running backs on this team. The Lions have tried to fix the running game since you've been a fan. Uh, what what attributes on a running back that the Lions have had would uh, you look to put together? Oh man, we we just need Kevin Smith back. Kevin Smith, <laughs> shoestring tackle man, <laughs> oh, a guy man. who could slam the football into the ground with the best of them after getting tackled. Kevin Smith. Where's my Where's my black thirty four Smith with the eight F's on the back that I had custom made? Like what a waste of money that was. But um, <laughs> I Isn't that uh, your new doormat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, that was that was rough. The black jerseys too were not good. I've seen a lot of Twitter talk recently about lines go back to the old or the throwbacks or God, the please, the no. black. And it's like, it's like, I mean, there would be some cool throwbacks you could do, but we don't, we don't need the black jerseys back. Um, So, I mean, if I got to build a running back, I mean, it seems pretty simple. I mean, you just take the elusiveness and the electricity of Barry, you know, um, there were things, I mean, again, you just think about all the lines running back since like, you know, Smith and, uh, who was the other guy we had? Kevin Smith, and who was the other guy after him that we got out of uh, um, Jones? Remember Jones had a year or two. Oh, Kevin Jones. Kevin Jones had a year or two. We're like, oh, we're set. We got ourselves a running back, and then like he was a piece of garbage like in years two, three, and then he's out of the league. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's basically just like the electricity, the vision of Barry, and then I guess I'm gonna have to take Speed attributes. Job at best. Yeah, I mean, you could give me the speed of, of best. Just don't give me the uh, the head of job at best. Uh, yeah. You know, I would yeah, uh, I would take like our current guys. I mean, I love the vision and the uh, the shake and bake of DeAndre Swift. You know, give me the the kind of upright yet um, speed and elusiveness. Kind of even the the ability to to get skinny in the hole of carry on Johnson and make some plays. And then you know, people are gonna hate this maybe, but there was a good two, three year window there where I love me some Theo Riddick. I think I got a Theo Riddick jersey still tucked away in the old closet here, number twenty five. No, that's good, man. His 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 um, pass catching ability out of the backfield is far greater than Barry Sanders. I oh, mean, yeah. Barry Sanders. You want to talk about hands of stone? That guy, he had trouble catching the ball from five yards away. <laughs> yeah, man. So like like you say, I mean, when he was in the game, you know, Riddick not only did catch everything, but he had those years where he'd give you the day leg, he'd give you the stanky lay, he'd give you the, the shake, he'd give you the uh the little excitement. He scored a bunch of touchdowns there for a year or two as well, and then he fell off the map. I don't even know. He's not even on a team right now, uh, which is crazy. He hadn't done anything since he fell off with the Lions and left. So, you know, vision, speed, ability of of Barry, give me the uh give me the grit, give me the uh the excitement of kevin smith and kevin jones there for a couple years give me the uh shake and bake uh do it all ability of deandre swift and then i'll take uh job at best speed as well as uh you know be able to catch the ball from theo okay okay so the last two positions this the guys with the bravado i want you to pick your first first players for db first what would you take in the dbs that you've seen for detroit we can talk either cornerbacks or safeties or actually a hybrid of the two. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's, it's not a very good list. I mean, I, I banged on the table for a while that the lions, there's that stat out there. They hadn't used a pick on a corner since Terry fair. Like there's a lot of guys in there that are just pretty pedestrian or below average at best. You know who I would remember at corner, which again, the lions have had way too many of these guys that have shown up for a cup of coffee. And we're like, Oh man, this guy's a ball player. And then he just is out of the league the next year. Chris Houston, Chris Houston came in here and had a year. We were just like, Oh, this is our number one corner. He's a ball player. Gave him a big old contract. He never played a down after we gave him the contract, just like Deandre Levy at linebacker. So, I mean, I don't even know Grifka when it comes to corners. I mean, I know you'll probably go on and on about all the qualities of Darius Slay, but like, you know, when I'm thinking about corners, I'm thinking about guys like Alfonso Smith, who would who would intercept the ball, <laughs> take it to the house, <laughs> and then yell at everybody and tell him hand the ball to Jim Schwartz and tell him how great he was. I'm thinking about guys like uh, before hey, my you know, day. Thinking about Lou Delvis. 
who would like talk trash if you made a tackle four yards in the backfield or 40 yards down the field. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You, you know I love you know I love Lou Delmas. What about what about a headabo back there at safety who would dig the grave of anybody that was came in his area code? Um, gosh, man, there there's I mean, been a lot. You gotta like the smarts of Glover Quinn, though. I mean, he had some good years for Detroit until, like you said, he got old pretty fast. But he he was, I mean, you have to really like what he did back there at safety for a few years for Detroit. You know what's funny, Grifka? You took a, a very uh, low blow, cheap shot at me on your uh, Smack Talk podcast, where you talked about me selling my my authentic autographed Glover Quinn jersey. That is not the case. It's still in my possession. Um, if somebody would like it for a nominable fee, you can hit me up at nine eight nine two seven two Kevin Smith or more. But uh, it's still here, and I was the biggest Glover Quinn guy the minute that we got him from Houston. I was like, this guy's a ball player, getting him at a good time in his career. He came in here and balled out. But I got the same issues with GQ as I do with guys like Calvin, Sue, all these other bums were like, okay, even if you came in here and played good football, you left on such a horrible note as well as just were disrespectful to the organization, acted like it was all about you. You know how that gets me where people are just like, you know, there's one thing to like do what's right for you or to take care of yourself. And there's another part of being an a-hole and being like, it's all about me. Like whatever I do is the only thing that matters. Screw my teammates, screw the organization that paid me millions of dollars. So I'm like sour on GQ for that reason. It's like he left, talked a bunch of noise, like never acknowledged what the team did for him. He could have been that guy that's coming back for next 20 years being like, you know, how the Pistons are revered. Like what a what a solid guy he was not only on the field, but for the city. And instead he left on such a horrible note again, like Calvin, like Sue, like so many others. So. That, that's why he's off the radar for me um, a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, he was a smart player. He got turnovers. But I just kind of write him off because of he got no respect for Detroit or the Lions or, or you know, just, I don't know. It's just something about him where it was like, oh, it's it's about me. It's about I just want to do my thing. I don't like Matt Patricia. It's just like whatever, bro. So I if I had to build my corners or even some of these other positions you mentioned, like, it would definitely come into play, like what their attitudes are and, and, you know, are they good people off the field and stuff like that? So I, I don't know a ton of other corners, Griff. I can't, but like you're said, right though, the, the Lions defensive backfield has been pretty slim picking since you've been a fan. So yeah. no, since I've been a fan, the Lions defensive backfield has been pretty slim picking. So. Yeah. I would need like, I bet you I could come up with a ton of names if I had a rock. Cause there's been some funny players. There's been some guys that had a, a cup of coffee. There's guys that made a few plays that we can all, we, we could always talk about, but between, you, you, want to you, know, take, you want to take the oily hips and the uh, and the bendability of Mike Ford, the wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, definitely. I gosh, Mike Ford, man, if he's still on this roster, I'm gonna be frustrated. But um, How yeah, about this I, one? last one, yeah. last one. Let's move on. Let's 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 finish this one up. I know the fans. I'm dying to know. Oh god. I, I know you like humble guys, but there's points where you seem you like guys that like to do the finger wag as well. And this position loves to bring that wide receiver. <laughs> what guys that play wide receiver would you put, you know, together to make a to make a Lions wide receiver? Oh man, I'm 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 when you mention this off the top, I'm going man. I hope he asked me about wideouts. So this is a good one to finish on. Griffco, you you know what? I I don't know if I agree with you about your you like these guys that uh, that smack it up and, and do crazy stuff. I don't see you as that guy at all, really. Uh, when you? it comes down yeah, to me, it, that's not me. That's you. No, you that's see, me. That's definitely me. So there's yeah. times there's times you like the humility. And the you know, how guys humble, but then you there's sometimes you really love guys who just seem to go out there and like like the you know look at themselves <laughs> and point the finger and pat themselves on the back. So kind well, of torn. So I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering. Who well, you it's, like here. it's different. Like you say, I I like you know humble hard workers for the football team. But if you're good enough, like Dion was, or like some of these players, yeah, I like it when you're just superior and you know it and you're willing and you produce every week. Like yeah, that's fun to watch. Um, and like you said, back in my day, I was not the greatest basketball player ever. But every few games, you'd see me with a crazy behind the back pass or a scoop Jordan-esque layup or some half-court shot that was just crazy. So, yeah, that's much more entertaining than the bounce pass or the the bank shot, you know, a player uh, to watch. So when you're talking about wide receivers, you brought me right to my first one, the guy that had the ultimate swag, the guy that would pull out the bow and arrow on you uh, on the first first down of the ball game, and that was Roy Boy, <laughs> Roy Williams, <laughs> one of my favorites. What a character, what a fun guy to watch, what a uh, – 
guy where like he would just he would get so excited about the dumbest crap and like it always came back to bite him you know it'd be like he he, he'd go uh what did he do that one year we're getting beat by like 20 points on a thanksgiving game and he did like some celebration in the end zone everybody's like yo you're down 21 in the fourth quarter (laughs) like what are you pulling out this elaborate thing for but i mean you got him you got nate burleson on the swag i mean those guys were always fun to watch in regards to that um when you're talking about you know production you know you're gonna go to the uh number 81 uh, the name that i shall not speak of i mean he had ultimate production and and you know was a physical force i've never seen anybody that showed up to the combine wasn't going to run a 40 and said oh okay i'll do it give me your shoes and then ran like a 43 um that's crazy so he's just a physical as well as the production that you look for um i don't know grifka do you like your you like your football players a little crazy a little bit of, well, a little bit a, a little bit with a screw loose I like how how do you not like the appetite of Mike Williams? From what I can what I heard, he he can polish <laughs> off some chicken wings. Oh yeah, yeah, that's guy. Somebody who was it? I there was a Twitter thing about Mike Williams. People are, are doing all these like my plans versus twenty twenty, and like somebody I think did like my plans, and it was like Jerry Rice, and then and then twenty twenty was Mike Williams. <laughs> 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 like the hardest working wide receiver ever. And then the laziest piece of crap ever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Mike Williams though, like he, he's almost was one of my guys for a while because he had all that college pedigree. He was big. Like I thought, why don't they ever let this guy play? And then I was up there in the suite with all my friends. I looked to my right. And there was Mike Williams he had about 50 chicken wings that were cleaned off. Like they had been, uh, been ran through his teeth uh like you can't imagine uh, on his plate there so yeah that that's when i was basically knew he was a fat piece of crap but um yeah i mean when you're when you're talking about the uh, you know eating ability again we can throw mike williams in with daniel Talk about from a snacks young, guy right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he had an appetite for everything but success but uh yeah i i don't know i mean again i'm the lions have had some some crazy, you know, when you look back at it, I mean, it was before my time, but I was going to ask you on your interview show about, I wasn't around for Herman Perryman and, uh, and who's the other guy? Who's the other three? Morton Perryman and, and, and Herman Moore. Like, I mean, those are pretty sweet combo there of all guys that complimented each other. And then the, the thing I give the Lions credit for is like before the league went to crazy passing, the Lions tried to do that. They just struck out on two out of the three or even all three of the guys that they took, you know, when they were trying to load up on three big time receivers. So, I mean, if you like a screw loose or a crazy football player, you could throw Titus Young in there if you want to like have just a wacky uh, personality i was hoping he'd be good he had a cup of coffee and then other than that you just had a lot of marginal receivers i mean give me the give me the heart and the grit of mike furry i mean a guy that didn't even play receiver and then caught 100 passes you know that's craziness but um you know you could take some of those traits and make a, a pretty dang good receiver for the lions yeah, I mean, you could have the speed of Bill Schrader with the hands of, you know, Eric <laughs> Ebron. I mean, that Bill Schrader could run. He could run like a deer. But gosh, that guy couldn't catch a freaking cold. I mean, right. Oh, gosh. Right. Do we want uh, the speed of, of Oz Akeem, but the talent and the production of, of Oz Akeem? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> best, uh, best fourth wide receiver around that you try to make the number one right oh, yeah. yeah that's bad okay so um that's cool i just i, I was just kind of wondering you know kind of pick through your brain like you know different things of guys that you'd seen through the years what traits you really liked about him it's like gosh if this guy just had this he'd be great so uh you know just, i was always kind of interested in that you know you know because like i said you've seen a lot of lean years so uh yeah, just a, just kind of wondering there. Imagine that, Griffin. I'm still the optimistic, forward-thinking, um, excited person on the show, even though I've I've seen two playoff games, both of which we lost. Uh, three, I guess. Uh, you know, I think you're, in total. You're, you're the optimistic one. Excuse me, Julian. Was it uh, Jelani Tavai, <laughs> Chris Spielman, Austin Bright, <laughs> Kevin Green? Thank you. Okay, who's who's, who's optimistic here? Thank you. All right, you're 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 making a, a late run, I guess, at uh, at drinking some <laughs> some Detroit Kool Aid after I shove it down your throat every week. I mean, uh, come on, Griffin. I don't Drink know. I think you added something to Detroit Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah, we got to. I'm spike not going to be it. able to get drug tested at work tomorrow for what I'm drinking. This is where this is where we spike it in the off season and then by. Uh, 
you know, by mid-year, you know, you gotta get out the old, uh, the old music for you by, like, what, week four? Where Grifka starts whining and bitching and saying, See, Ogri, I told you so. Everybody just mark the tape in May. Grifka thinks, uh... Austin Bryant's a Hall of Famer. Carrion's gonna go for a thousand and five hundred catching. Um, the the world is a great place, and of course he has us winning ten, eleven ball games. So, you you, yeah. you know how it goes here on the Detroit Coolie Cast. This is old hat, and this is you trying to it's it's trying to get a couple more Twitter more. followers, trying to trying to work the people, even though like yeah, they they already know your gimmick. So we we, we know what it is, Griffka. You know what we got to do uh, off of this type of show is in the off season. Maybe we'll do like we'll pull up the old. Old, uh, some old roster so I actually have some names to look at and like just pick people out and talk about remember wins with with certain oh, people because yeah. if, if I saw names I'd be able to give you some nice stories but man I love this guy or remember when this guy did this and uh and they they have like nobody that's not a diehard Lions fan will have any clue who these people are but like oh yeah I remember what could have been if this guy him. actually would have done this he could have been great <laughs> right. Remember this play on Thanksgiving? And then, like, you'd say, well, what else did you do? And it'd just be get out the cricket sound bite. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, if Mike yeah, Williams should... would have put down the chicken wings, he could have been great. Yeah, we should do that. But, uh, yeah, man, it was fun. Uh, I guess there's just, uh, you know, one final thing that we have to do, and the people love it, and it's a classic bit on the show, and it's simply this. Grifka, I mean, I've just been wondering – uh, that you might have something just extraordinary, just unbelievable, maybe something stupendous, uh, just earth shattering for the, for the people. Do, do you have anything else for the people? Uh, nope. <laughs> I was thought you might say that, but uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Another fun show, two fun shows this week. And uh, we'll be coming back next week. Two more shows. You can also catch my other podcast, Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and Lions, which it sounds like Grifka is also a subscriber to. So, again, I'm shocked to hear that. But he's putting in a little bit of extra work, uh, probably listening, so he can take some of my info and my takes and then recycle them on the show, which I will then give him these. Grifka, we're out of here. We'll catch everybody next week right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Back to back. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.